everyone, welcome back to another episode of Bias Check-In. Hi everyone, thank you for tuning in with us this week. Susie, what's going on? What are we checking in? We thought we'd dive into social media and its impacts on our daily lives and minds. There's a lot to say, but it would not be us if we didn't put an aisle spin on it. We're gonna do that? (laughs) (laughs) Um, We will touch on the way social media tricks our brains into dopamine shortages, overstimulation, we're talking about user experience and user interface and things alike. All right. And I think social media and talking about it can definitely get scary and uh, black mirror-y and make you want to <laughs> wear an aluminum hat. Um, but whether we like it or not, we at BCI are pretty much fans of it mm-hmm. with the due cautions um, and it's here to stay mm-hmm. and social media has become an integral part of our personal professional and private lives we've spoken of this at length in other settings about content creating and what that can do or not do for your digital presence mm-hmm. so after more than 30 episodes it was time to dive into social media itself <laughs> yeah um so going going back to the beginning where it all starts um chapter one chapter one preface <laughs> um i know for myself i don't use instagram or facebook on my computer anymore Okay. I use Facebook and Instagram on my phone, and I use LinkedIn on my computer. I don't use it on my phone. It's this weird thing I have, and then I don't really use Twitter because I don't. I never got I into it. I miss the Twitter craze too. Like we we yeah. have one for the podcast. We use it for mm-hmm. that, but I know friends that love scrolling through Twitter, and I it just doesn't click for me either. Yeah. Um. There was Snapchat, which... R.I.P. Yeah, and then TikTok. TikTok is... The best. The best thing since sliced bread. Um, <laughs> but let's go to to phones. What was your first phone, Claudia? Uh, so mine, again, dating myself, but leave me alone, yeah. um, was a Nokia brick phone. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't that one that... We always joke about being like super, the gray, yeah, yeah, the gray and dark blue one, mm-hmm. not the three thousand whatever. Mm-hmm. I had the one right after, I think. Mm-hmm. So the screen was color, which made me really feeling really fancy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was still very much like rubber numbers and T nine. <laughs> yeah, that that's about it. Ten ten text messages a day were free. I think something like that. Something, yeah. You could play snake on it, and that was about it. Yeah, like, I had my mom, my grandma's phone number. Mm -hmm. I was instructed never to make a call unless it was literally necessary. Mm -hmm. That was about it. What about you? Did you have one of those bedazzled? (laughs) (laughs) No. Um, I had a phone early on because we used um, my school's bus service to get me from... Mm -hmm to school um so just in case anything happened i could call my parents but i don't i don't remember i think I, it was a nokia 
but I don't remember. I think it was white and purple something. Okay. <laughs> um, but the first phone that I do remember caring heavily about was when I was 11. Okay. And it was a pink Motorola Razr. Okay, so I did ask if you had like a bedazzled or a fancy one. And, and it, it was not bedazzled. Bedazzled, sorry, not bedazzled, whatever, whatever spin I just put on that word. Um, but I was still a fancy, fancy girl. Then, like, <laughs> I mean, didn't Paris Hilton have one of those and like show that off at some point? I don't know. I do remember it being popular, but... It was mostly like my uncle had the gray one, my dad had the black one, and I had the pink one. It was okay. a family thing. <laughs> you coordinated. And my mom always had the blackberries because of work. Yeah, I remember my mom, we started having cell phones because my dad was on call. He would need to be able to be reached anywhere, whether he was at home or not. Yeah. And then when he upgraded to whatever came next, mm-hmm. his old phone became my mom. My mom actually has had the exact same cell phone number since before I was born. Mm-hmm. And it's so crazy to me to think like that she used to have the brick Nokia mm-hmm. phone and now she has exactly the same iPhone I do and it's still the same number. <laughs> but the reason we're going into this and how much we could text or could not mm-hmm. text is because like where does the social media part come in mm-hmm. and that's the social part yeah because we are still part of the branch of millennials that had a phone before we could actually use it mm-hmm. to socialize with people yeah so i remember all the abbreviations i had to use to make oh. it fit in like the right yeah. amount of characters <laughs> See, we should we should do twitter we should we can relate to that we can relate to it um, i just don't know why we missed the memo but we're talking about because of the social component of social media. Once we started getting phones where we could do group chats or could text our friends to our little heart's desires, mm-hmm. I think that was the fuel that then propelled social media into becoming an addiction. More and more of a thing. <laughs> um, and I remember there were people worried about it as early as when I was in elementary school. So, mm-hmm. talking late 90s. Um, I remember a classmate of mine would have had a personal cell phone in second or third grade for a variety of reasons and so they would try to like sneakily i don't even know who they would text at that age other than telling like their parents what snack they wanted that afternoon or playing snake but they thought they were so cool Mm -hmm. and our math teacher could not stand it Because she knew that the phone was approved by the parents, but I still like, why do I have an eight-year-old playing on a phone? Like, mm-hmm. I thought that we wouldn't have to deal with it until you got to middle school, at least. You yeah. Know? And she showed us this article that she had found about how kids born in the early 90s and onwards would have would evolve to have um, wider thumbs with thicker skin because of all of the texting on the T9 <laughs> keyboards. Um and <laughs> we were gonna mutate like that <laughs> yeah like looking back i'm like I, I wish i could find that article again but like, it was literally on paper and i it's been a hot minute since but I, i'm still waiting my thumbs i think look like very average thumbs very proportionate to my, <laughs> the rest of my hands um the best part is that it, she is checking for all of you out there <laughs> i'm looking at it just like yeah well, well 
sorry, but what was she on? Uh, <laughs> but like that shows you, like mm-hmm. we were already concerned about the impact technology was gonna have on us, and mm-hmm. our thumbs may still be proportionate or not have mutated yet. That gene hasn't kicked in. Mm-hmm. That would be such a low superpower to have. But we still have molars. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Fine. Um, bust my bubble like that. <laughs> but there's definitely other, maybe less sensationalistic, maybe definitely less visible, but still very evident impact of how technology and social media has yeah. definitely shaped the way we think about things. So numbers coming at you. 3.1 billion people use social media. And, well, <laughs> that number just went up when lockdown happened. Yeah. I've, I'd be interested to see uh, how many people are, like, done with social media after lockdown. That would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, thinking of that, for me, it's funny to see with my younger cousins who are about... One is exactly 10 years younger than me, and one is... 14 years younger than me oh mine are 11 and 13 this shift in what social media we even use oh yeah remember i made when i made a facebook account Mm -hmm. all of the people older than me were like what the heck is a facebook Mm -hmm. and now my cousins are the same like why would i make a profile on an old people thing (laughs) i'm just like okay who are you calling old people now (laughs) but just thinking if it's similar for now that we can well also in the u.s we can start to reopen and move out Mm -hmm. meet people in real life if we decide to do so Mm -hmm. things like that if there's any okay now let me get rid of tiktok okay now let me post a hinge profile and go meet people at a bar um 210 million people were wide are believed to fall into internet and social media addiction Psychological or behavioral dependence on social media platforms can result in significant impairment in an individual's function in various life domains over a prolonged period. Yeah, these were scary numbers because by that defi- that definition is very vague. Mm-hmm. I was hoping to find a number so that we could keep under and just be like, okay, if you use your phone for an hour and a half, you're good. Mm-hmm. If you use it for three <laughs> hours, you're good. There isn't a clear cut, like, you're good or you're not. Um, But the average person in the U.S. spends two hours a day on social media alone. Mm -hmm. And speaking personally, outing myself, I was like, oh, that's so little. That's great. And then we find the equivalent of that, which is by spending two hours a day on social media Mm -hmm. for the average person in the U.S., that builds up to five years and four months over the median adult life. Is it too little? Still too little for you? No, it's like, that's such a healthy thing. I'm so proud of the, you know, average Joe and average Jane. Because my, my consumption is a little bit higher these days. Um, okay, and then teens? And then for teens, it can be up to nine hours a day. And now I was like, the, I had the opposite reaction researching this because... On one side, I was like, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. But then again, thinking of my younger cousins, their friends, even thinking, sorry, ex-clients, but mm-hmm. even thinking of my residents when I used to work in Res Life, 
during grad school, I was like, yeah, that, I can see that. That makes sense. I don't think, I think I know some people's top of their heads a lot better than I know their faces. Oh, yeah. Just for how much I've seen them walking around. And guilty as charged, I've done it too. I just try not to look at my phone when I'm crossing the street, but... If you spend nine hours a day on social media, you're basically just spending four and a half months on social media nonstop for one year. Four and a half months, so we're saying like 18 weeks. Mm-hmm. Which is the majority of, like, especially thinking of teens, that's the majority of a school year. Because mm-hmm. usually semesters are about 10, 14 weeks. A whole semester, but this is not your 9 to 5. It's mm-hmm. not you're going to school from 8 until 2 p.m. It's literally 24 7, mm-hmm. nonstop marathon. For four and a half months. For four and a half months. Yeah. Fun, isn't it? That's, that's something else. Um, and besides the clear just i cannot imagine your eyes (laughs) after staring at the screen so much as i think of it and put on my blue light glasses Um, (laughs) the other very concerning aspect is that teens who spend five plus more than five hours per day on phones Mm -hmm. not just on social media on phones in general Mm -hmm. have been shown to be more likely to show depressive symptoms when we read this i wanted to say like my, my grad school training kicked in. It's like correlation does not imply causation. I could mm-hmm. see someone who's already withdrawn, prone to depression. Being more on their phone because they want to distance themselves. Or, yeah. or not having the kind of in-person social support network mm-hmm. that maybe some of their peers are busier with and so they spend less time mm-hmm. on the screens. Yeah. It's, we're not going to preach that phones cause depression and depression causes phone usage because... We it, are not making that claim here. You've heard honestly, it. Honestly, if that was the case, I would just throw away my phone and I'd be happy. No, <laughs> look at that. No. But, um, so there's not any hard rule there. As we said, there isn't a magic number mm-hmm. of hours of minute under which you're okay. Mm-hmm. No magic threshold. Um... But there's definitely a strong correlation, um, and the group that is most affected are teenage girls and early 20s, which I no longer fall into. But no. Do you Baby. still count as, yeah, mid-20s? Yeah. We're getting there. Still close enough, but like especially... I'm like half of 20s. But especially teenage girls, because they get, they're the most targeted with content that undermines their intrinsic value and messages about being touched up and all of the crap that we see celebrities just push down people's throats mm-hmm. and the most dangerous part being that sometimes we don't even realize that that stuff is being pushed down our throats until it's too late and research shows that that correlates really well with narcissistic personality traits and behaviors and low self-esteem which then may feed into that cycle of by consuming people's content and reacting and developing these coping behaviors or maladaptive coping behaviors, mm-hmm. I may put out my own retouched content mm-hmm. or... Vicious circle, people. Vicious yeah, It just keeps passing on. Another good statistic. Worldwide, 70% of people sleep next to their phones. Do you do that? Yes. Okay, that makes me feel a bit better. I mean, it's on my nightstand. See, for me, it's usually under the pillow. Oh, yeah. No. Well, but you don't charge your phone at night. 
Bridges. I don't charge my phone at night because there's no convenient outlets for mm -hmm. that. And also, I'm against the wall. So mm -hmm. there isn't space for a nightstand okay. there. So. But when you had two nightstands, what was it? It was still pretty much just pass out with the phone somewhere on the mattress or on the nightstand. The thing for me, I think, is that I fall asleep watching TV. Uh-huh, there you go. I am a little bit reassured because in my family, so it started with one of my aunts. Mm -hmm. She read a lot of articles about the benefits of not even having the phone in your room. Mm -hmm when you're falling asleep like stop she literally stops using screens mm -hmm. two hours before bedtime she's the living example that it is feasible for someone to do that mm -hmm. it's just not easy mm -hmm. to break the habit um and so a while ago um my mom sent me a package for my birthday mm -hmm. and she actually jokingly sent me an alarm clock mm -hmm. because my crutch slash excuse to always keep my phone closed is that well it's gonna be my alarm clock uh -huh. so i need i need to be woken up and you live with really, someone though hmm? you live with someone though but we wake up at different times you wake up with shana well i haven't always lived with someone <laughs> <laughs> no i i can I rationalize it so much? The truth is, I doom scroll just as much as any other person. Yeah. Um, and but she got me an alarm clock so I could get away from your phone. Get away from my phone. Uh, I to be fair, at the time of recording, I got the package last night, so I no, it doesn't work yet. <laughs> let me let me get back to you on that. We can check in in a couple weeks. Yeah. But um. That brings me to the idea of doom scrolling, which mm -hmm. <laughs> after living in a pandemic, I feel like everyone can just relate to the term, but yeah, just defining it for the sake of defining it, doom scrolling is what we call when you're on your phone and you're just looking at news after news after news, and especially if it's a negative news cycle, mm -hmm. they're just this mounting feeling of anxiety hopelessness just doom scrolling mm -hmm. reading all of the negative stuff not the healthiest but then again we've had a couple of negative news cycles since 2019 to now yeah it can become such a natural repetitive act that you don't realize you're doing it or you don't realize how long you've been doing it for i do appreciate tiktok's little of like you've been here for an hour see i get that with netflix sometimes especially mm -hmm. because i like to have something just in the background while i work or mm -hmm. while i clean like just again background noise mm -hmm. but to me it's more like mind your business i'm vacuuming <laughs> <laughs> but i can get i can appreciate with tiktok mm -hmm. still has a lot of problems as a platform but at least that one they got it right yeah 74 percent of americans check facebook daily and despite Gen Z laughing at the boomer platform, Facebook is still growing, but not as quickly as it did before. Yep. I think the most recent numbers I found were about 2016, 2018, so mm -hmm. not super up to date. Um, and also that was before Facebook bought out WhatsApp, Instagram, and yeah. controlled all of our communication. 
Uh, but I think they have a growth rate of something like 13%, which is still mm -hmm. very, very significant, especially when you consider the base numbers. Yeah. It's just not, we're not in the golden rush of everyone and their entire families and their entire co-worker groups <laughs> are all making profiles and groups and sending farm thingy invites. What was that game called? Farmville? Farmville. Farmville invites. But even without Facebook, um, most people will check their phones if they wake up at night. Mm -hmm. And apparently, this is, again, the one that scares me. 10% of teens in the U.S. check their phones more than 10 times per night. Are um, they waking up purposely to find, check? I couldn't find the context to that. because it's Or do they get woken up by notifications? Do you know any teens that doesn't keep their phone on silent, silent, silent? I mean, if it's vibrating. Maybe. It didn't have a lot of context, so I don't know no, what no. we... How do we operationalize night? Mm -hmm. What do we define with that? But it's... Yes, it's I'm 6 to 8 thinking, p.m. Like, that's night. Oh, just waking... If it is actually during, like, sleep mm -hmm. time, I can't imagine waking up 10 times a night. You're not sleeping. Your run cycle is F-word. 404. 404 non-found, exactly. But, yeah, like, just... And then the other one that cracked me up. So many PSAs on distracted driving, but mm -hmm. yet in the U.S., 90% of the U.S. driving population mm -hmm. admitted to using digital devices while driving mm -hmm. and then of that 90% 50% said that they were using their smartphones for social media which to me again like I would love to see a study that specifies because for example my dad will yell at Siri to call his friends through the car speakers technically he's using his phone mm -hmm. you would also be using Waze, Google Maps, Apple all technically those. an Uber driver is using their phone while driving yeah. but that's for their navigator and getting clients and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So, taking yeah. with a pinch of salt. But then, of that 90%, mm -hmm. half said that they would use it for social media. Mm -hmm. And that is the part that I don't understand, because I love that we're in the heat of post-pandemic wedding season. We have so many, with so much FOMO, things are reopening. Mm -hmm. We look at our friends' holidays. We look at all the amazing things. Mm -hmm. But do we need to do that in the middle of an intersection? Like, that is the part where, like, I understand using phones while driving. I'm not going to be judgmental. Mm -hmm. I have no place to be. But who is that reflex that we build to just... Anytime that you have nothing to do or, like, you're on your phone scrolling, yeah. basically. Um... And you found a good article that talks about neurotransmitters. Yeah, so that brings us to why do we do this? Mm -hmm. Why do we scroll? Because especially with the content that we consume, we may have that one influencer we really like, those mm -hmm. pages we follow, we love keeping up with a friend or two. Mm -hmm. But objectively, as human beings, we're not created to have social connections of several thousands or followerships of several thousand or mm -hmm. whatever have you 
our actual social circles are supposed to be small. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like we can say that it's the quality of content because if I see one more TikToker show me how to make pasta with feta or <laughs> whichever dance is popular right now to whichever Olivia Rodrigo melancholy song, mm-hmm. it's so repetitive. Mm-hmm. But it's because the basic concept is that it's tricking our brain and our dopamine receptors yeah. into getting rewards faster and faster and faster. Mm-hmm. Which is surprisingly similar to the use of cocaine and tobacco, mm-hmm. which to me is crazy <laughs> that like it's just as addictive as regulated substances. Yeah, or class three drugs. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, but it's because we get the reward of like, oh, this is flashy, this is great, mm-hmm. makes me feel good. Next, I want more. Mm-hmm. I want more. I want more. Mm-hmm. And objectively, as I said, not all content is going to make us feel great. We can all think of that one connection that keeps posting whatever their thing is. Mm-hmm. Be baby, their shop, their pet, their significant other, their food. And you're just like, why are you still posting this? Mm-hmm. Yet we will still check their content out. Yeah. Over and over. Because our brain has created that loop of this is what makes me feel good now. And I need that to continue. And that's where the addiction part mm-hmm. comes, comes in. in. Where just being at the red light is long enough to say, I need another fix. Hulu has like between three minute ads and a minute and a half breaks. And I've caught myself like, ads, let me get on my phone. Like really? It's a minute and a half. It happens though. Or even for me, it's when if we're watching a show and it's particularly slow or I'm mm-hmm. not buying into it. There is that temptation, like maybe a notification pops up. Mm-hmm. And then from, let me just check this one notification, I realize I'm two episodes deep. Someone died, someone got married, someone got kidnapped, and I have no idea how we got to that Oh, you were watching Grey's Anatomy? <laughs> <laughs> Could you tell? Um, <laughs> it's like, how did we get to this point? And it's literally, I have that, this, mm-hmm. Sitting there with my significant other, and we're talking about something completely unrelated at the same time, and there's the need for all this overstimulation mm-hmm. because we're just not used, mm-hmm. not being stimulated anymore, and it's crazy to think of. Yeah, maybe that's why they wake up, they're not stimulated enough in their dreams. I don't know, making stuff up. Oh, going back to the teens, like, yeah, honestly, maybe, maybe. Or their brain is reprocessing the 3,000 TikToks or Snapchats they process throughout the day. And they're like, uh, let me check for another one. Mm-hmm. Um, the even weirder part in this study, um, and it was a study from Harvard. Let me get you the title. Dopamine, Smartphones, and You, A Battle for Your Time mm-hmm. by Trevor Haynes. Um, and it's got a lot more detail about how... This literally reconfigures the paths in our head. Yeah. And there's a social media uh, documentary on Netflix mm-hmm. that also goes into all the um, testimonials and people like, I feel so guilty and I made Gmail what Gmail is today. Um, I made Facebook what it is today. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're still on all of them so (laughs) 
Yeah, I think there was um, Chamat Paliapitia, um, was the former vice president of user growth at mm-hmm. Facebook. And I think their experience is both in the article and in the Netflix documentary. And it's mm-hmm. like they're now realizing what they were doing with the brains of millions and billions of people. Mm-hmm. Social media can be used for really bad ways. Social media can be used in really good ways mm-hmm. to actually connect people, resources, ideas, create movements, support movements. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a source of crowdfunded information. We've seen that over and over and over recently. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's an object. It's a human creation that's just not inherently morally charged. It yeah. doesn't have agency. As our first interview with Alan Chow, for example, mm-hmm. AI coding is informed by the knowledge of those contributing to it. Mm-hmm. It's not inherently going to be a judge. Evil, yeah. yeah. We're not quite in the matrix yet. <laughs> yet. Um, and so we wanted to talk about it a little bit as we we see a clear connection to how IO psychologists and social science and social psychologists can go into informing user experience and user interface design in order to either maximize this mm-hmm. or as TikTok is trying to do, protecting the users by having those built-in mm-hmm. checks. Yeah, um, user experience, something I've dabbled in a little bit now with PSYOP on the Electronic Communications Committee. Mm-hmm. Um, they're trying to rebuild the website and how it can serve its members better. So definitely IOs can work within all of those social media platforms to make it better for the humans behind the screen. Or even in, if not in user interface, in just marketing and like, Mm-hmm. Helping people, sure, market their product or service, but doing so in a more ethical way and without taking advantage yeah. of our built-in faulty human code. So on the flip side of that, what can you take in? What can you do to make your um, footprint on social media better? That being like not posting... Photoshop pictures because you don't want other teenage girls to get into that vicious cycle. I know that Apple has taken steps to limit your social media, the amount Mm. of time that you are on social media or certain apps if you wish to do that. (laughs) I actually do do that, Mm -hmm. but again, because we use social media for the podcast, I use it to communicate with people. Mm-hmm. so many ways it's so easy to just say not today mm-hmm. <laughs> so but it can be a little reminder of oh okay mm-hmm. like i've already spent this much time on social media today yeah even if then i choose to keep engaging with it mm-hmm. at least i know where i stand yeah uh, for me the weekly reports that the iphone just pops out at the start of the week mm-hmm. it's just like mm, i need to read more um, the other thing that personally has really helped me with the whole Instagram, TikTok, like, of course, 
it, it's our personal life resume. Mm-hmm. Of course, we put out the best content, mm-hmm. the one in which we look good, the one which we may have retouched to look good. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I have to remind myself that I do the same thing. Mm-hmm. My pictures are the ones in which I look the greatest. So it's just a good to check. One other thing that I really like is those red subreddits or YouTube channels where they show you the retouch fails so that you can train oh. yourself, especially if like the comparison game mm-hmm. is running strong or you feel that some content is affecting you negatively. Mm-hmm. It's okay to unfollow things oh, and yeah. to hide people. Mm-hmm. Um, or it's okay to educate yourself so that you can recognize better when things are retouched or straight up fake. Yeah. That's a really fun game to play as well. (laughs) But if you do feel that you have a little bit social media time in your day today or over the course of the week, feel free to check in with us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, or by sending us an email mm-hmm. or by sending us a voicemail if you don't want to have the too much screen time mm-hmm. and support us on anchor.fm and we'll check in with you guys next week bye y'all.